This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name is Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. In the last episode, we talked about time management and how you can get more time in your day. If you missed that episode, it was a great one. Go back, check it out. Now, just by your feedback, by you guys reaching out and saying, hey, we want to hear more about this subject, we're having the conversation that we're going to have today, which is about wealth building. So many of us... um, Since we were little kids, we were taught to get good grades so we could get a good job so we could make money and save it and hopefully retire. Yet the statistics would would argue against that actually. And the woman you are going to meet today is someone that um, very early on I heard, if you want to learn about wealth, you need to talk to this woman. So today we are going to go in a lot of different directions, but I know it will bring value to you. So with that, let's get into my conversation with Linda McKissick. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like Breakfast on the Go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Bring me back to the 1980s, which for you, I know, was a really uh, painful and enlightening time. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Late 80s, I was 23 years old. I like to say I didn't even know what the word economy meant, (laughs) much less to know whether it was a good one or a bad one. Uh, But my husband at the time was, um, he was an entrepreneur, and I'd honestly never really met an entrepreneur. So I was fascinated by him being in the restaurant and nightclub business. Uh, and we had lots of cash flow and we, we were taking trips, you know, we, money was never an issue. Uh, and then instinctively I knew something was wrong because all of a sudden my husband wouldn't want to go to sleep at night. And what I would soon find out, Jeff, is the reason that was the case is because, um, what felt like over suddenly, gradually, and then suddenly and overnight, the economy just changed in Texas. It was very much based on oil and gas. And something happened and caused that to be different almost instantly. So oil and gas went down, real estate went down, and uh, savings and loans uh, went down. And so all of a sudden, they started calling notes due. And we found ourselves overnight $600,000 in debt. And again, because I'm 23 years old, I don't even know how much 600000 is. So I always say that was kind of a blessing, to be honest, because I think if I had really realized you know, how much money that was, I might've been paralyzed. But from that, my husband said, I need you to, I need help. I need you to get a job and I need you to help me pay back, you know, climb our way out of the $600,000. And so I said, you know, that's great. You know, I'm a hard worker, but I've never made more than minimum wage at this point. What do you think I should do? 
And from some great insight from a mentor he had had years ago, he said, you know, a mentor of mine years ago told me that the way to make a lot of money is real estate. And of course, we laughed today, Jeff, because I'm sure the man was saying buy real estate, not put your wife to work in it. But to be honest with you, I had no idea I could sell. But real estate really became the perfect vehicle to go back and build our cash flow. And and I happened to be good at sales. And so uh, we started climbing our way out of it. But in the back of our mind, that pain, because, you know, I always say it's never a marriage enriching situation to be in financial trouble, right? You know, there's lots of arguments, there's lots of heat around money, and there's lots of pressure. And so we, because of that pain, uh, and I always, I always believe that your greatest blessings, if you give them long enough, will come out of adversity. It's just, you know, trying to see that while you're in the middle of adversity is extremely difficult. But as we begin to come out of that, we begin to say, how do we never get in that situation again? Who are the people that this does not happen to? And so that began our journey of reading and understanding about wealth and then making game plans and just sticking to, you know, sticking to building that wealth and making our money so passive that the economy could crash and, you know, uh, we could have a market disruptor or we could change our mind about what we even wanted to do in life and we'd still be okay. Well, uh, you just said a, a key word there, which is passive. And I know for so many people, um, there is this elusive passive income goal of waking up one day and having so much money come in that you you can choose to pick your head up off the pillow, yet then you boil down to reality and go, all right, well, here I am. I'm a W-2 employee. I have to wake up and trade dollars for hours go into that difference between passive and active income and how you start to to navigate that. Right. Well, what, what I've noticed because I've been studying, you know, top performers for so long and, you know, seeing these gaps that, that it, all of us have. And I believe what happens is, especially if you're really good at making money, you start making money, we call that cash flow, and you you just don't think there's anything else or nothing else matters. And so what I'll, I believe has to happen first is you have to understand that there, there are two different ways to get your money. There is actively, like you said, trading time for dollars. And then there's ways that that money can come in passively. You can do effort and work on the front end, and yet that money comes in later and for without you having to actively go do it. So I think you have to understand the difference first and understand they're both extremely important. You couldn't feed your family without cash flow. Also, by the way, most of the time you wouldn't have enough money to do any investing or to do anything else with to buy some assets that could throw off passive money if you don't make good cash flow. You know, either live below your means what you make, you know, or make more cash flow and what you have left you know, buy assets or something. So, so I think understanding that both are important and just because you're doing really well at cash flow, whether it's your job or your business, that's singly by itself is not enough to give you freedom of your time, money and relationships and all the things that will, if they're not extremely important to you now, they will become important to you. Well, th- this is something that, um, hits me very hard in the very first two episodes, episode zero and episode one, I touched upon this. I was in medical device sales for a while and enjoyed earning a very a lot of money, more than I ever thought I would earn. Yet all of a sudden, I witnessed a colleague have a stroke at 35, and I'm going, oh, wow, my wife's a stay-at-home mom. If that was me, and I was out of commission, cash flow, no, no flow. Um, <laughs> and the next week, they just changed my commission, and overnight, income slashed by 40%. And I, and I very much like you, uh, got to feel the pain of what it's like to take a massive pay cut. Um, for many people, suffer that job loss. And I asked the same question you did, which is how do I never get in this situation again? 
now navigating that path has been a journey ever since. Yes, absolutely. And you know, one of the questions we always ask people is what would happen if at the stroke of midnight, the financial resources of your business and your life totally went away? And if you constantly, not in a scarcity type way or fear-based way, but you're constantly asking yourself that question and you don't like the answer, then you need to work more on understanding passive income. You know, what are the many ways uh, that there are to build it? And then what are what is the next likely opportunity for you to build it? Because there could be a million ways, but if there's one that's going to be easier for me to take that very first step with and then not. And the good news is there's not a million ways. There's, there's about three, which helped me because if there's a million, we get paralyzed and we do nothing. But if there's three and we go, okay, here's the three ways anybody can build wealth, then good. It's about now making a decision, which one would be the next natural step or door for me to, to walk through. Well, before we go into to what those three ways are, I really want to pause and provide the space for the people who are listening to this. Will you ask that question again about the stroke of midnight? Because for those of you who are listening, like I want you to pause the episode and think about it. Sure. So the question goes like this. What would happen if at the stroke of midnight, your financial resources completely went away? You know, that could be your market getting disrupted. It could be the economy changing. It could be in your situation where someone who owns the business or has a higher control than you do in the business makes a complete decision that affects you financially. And so what would you do at the stroke of midnight if your financial resources changed or went away? Would you have enough passive income to fund your lifestyle? Um, and if you just kind of keep that question top of mind, then and if you don't like the answer, then that means you need to go back and do more work in that area of passive income. Well, Let's 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 make this a little bit more real for people. I want to talk about that 100 number that you wrote about with Gary and Jay in the book Hold. Right. About how if you looked at 100 people, what would actually happen over a period of 40 years? Because I think a lot of people can listen to this goes, oh, yeah, but that's never going to happen to me. Right, right. Yeah, this was a, yes, this was a real eye opener for me to really understand that by default, this is what will or could happen. You know, I love, you know, I've been blessed to be coached by Gary for many years. And I remember the day when he said, if you don't design your life, somebody or something else will. And so this is a perfect example of if we don't, design our life. This is by default what statistically will probably happen. And so if, if they fall, what happened is they followed 100 people throughout their 40-year career. And what they discovered is one will be wealthy, four will be financially secure, five will continue working, not because they just want to, but because they have to, 36 will be dead, and 54 will be broken, dependent on their family and friends. And I normally believe that for most of us entrepreneurs, some of those people will be our family and our friends. And we're going to want the ability to help them out or um, take care of them or just subsidize to some degree to help them because they're important to us. We love them. They're our family and friends. Well, well I want to break that down again because this is another one that when you said that to me, I was, <laughs> uh, uh, felt my heart skip a beat real quick. I have this vision of being wealthy. I'm very committed. I know it's going to happen. Yet when you read that, one out of 100, the 1% is wealthy. 4% are actually secure. 5% are still working because they have to. 36%, you're dead. And 54%, you're broke and depending on others. That scares the living daylights out of me. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know when this report was actually done, but I truly believe 
that our technology and health is going to be so good. And, you know, I work with a genetics doctor and some of the things that they're starting to figure out now that they can work on in advance. I think that number is going to get even worse, Jeff, because I think we're going to be able to extend our life. I'm just not going to sure how far we're going to be able to extend our money for most people. And so I think this statistic is not by itself just going to get better. I think it's going to get worse. Well, and this is one of those things when it comes down to... um your time and one of the biggest challenges we've learned that people have around it is clarity. Um, clarity, your purpose, clarity over your goals. And a lot of people believe that one day, quote unquote, they'll be able to retire, but they don't have real clarity on what that's going to look like. They certainly do not have clarity on the steps they need to take to get there. And so let's talk a little bit about how do we begin with the end in mind? How do we know when we've hit that number where, all right, we've, we've got that security? Right. Well, first you have to define when, when, when we did the study, when we actually researched to figure out who are the people that don't have to worry about a financial downturn and all those kind of things. What we discovered was Robert Kiyosaki's book, The Cashflow Quadrant. Most people read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Very few actually read the, read the second one. But in there, he shows a graph and he just basically says that 95% of the, the population will get their money from the left side of the quadrant, which is they're an employee or they're self-employed. And uh, 5%, the wealthy, will actually get their money from the right side of the quadrant. And when we saw this graph, we were 100% of our money was in that S quadrant. We owned our own real estate practice, and that's how all of our money came in. My husband was in the restaurant and nightclub business, so that's, again, a self-employed business. Well, let's, let, let me real quick, for the people who haven't read the book, if you were to imagine drawing a plus sign, uh, on the left side of the plus, you've got, if you're an employee or you're self-employed, meaning you still got to trade hours for dollars, the right side, you've got either business ownership or investor. And so like she's saying, how do you shift from being on the left side where you're trading dollars to hours to the point where you now have actual ownership in either business or investments that throw off cash flow? Right. Yeah. Businesses are the people making you money, mastering people making you money and investing would be where you actually buy assets that that throw off passive income to you. So the beautiful thing about reading that book and understanding it was we really narrowed it down to there was basically only three ways to build wealth. And again, I think if we have too many choices, we get paralyzed and we don't move. But when there's only three, you go, okay, I get this. There's three, I got to pick. So which one's the most natural or most likely uh, for me to do it? But again, we had to come up with how will we know when we get there? What is a wealthy person? If he's telling us that 5% of the wealth of the people are wealthy, what is that? And how will we know when we gotten there. And so the definition of that wealthy person is when your your passive income exceeds the income you need to sustain your lifestyle. I always say either your current lifestyle or the one you wished you had, because most people aren't happy with the lifestyle they have right now. But the, the, and then I always add a little caveat. I say also, don't forget about life's unexpecteds, meaning those 54 people that could be family and friends that could be outliving their money. And so, you know, when you're coming up with that, but know what that means. And, and then the other question we always ask is what is your freedom number? How much money would that, would you need uh, to be able to feel really good? And now you're going to work with a whole different um, set of standards. It's because you love what you do and you want to, and you're, you're doing it for different reasons. It feels different. It's, you know, and, and you said that something earlier about, People think this will never happen to them. I think a lot of people are so happy doing what they're doing, they think they can do it forever. And what I've noticed is your energy around something changes 
or your industry changes, you, you still have to prepare in the same way, even if you love it and could do it when you're 100. You know, so I think the people that are at most risk are the ones that think, oh, I love what I do and I'm, I'm going to do it forever. So this is not going to be a problem for me. When we were working with our founding members for, for this membership platform we were creating, it became incredibly apparent that people have a hard time lining what they do up today with someday goals, with payoff from a long run. And we only focus on the short term, yet let's look retroactively. What industry hasn't been disrupted over the last 20, 30, 40 years? I mean, you've been working with Gary for how long now? Uh, 20 plus years. Yeah. And how many times has he had to reinvent Keller Williams to stay competitive? Yeah, quite a few. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so if you think that everything's going to be status quo another 10, 20, 30, 40 years, yeah. history would argue against that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so again, it's not coming from scarcity or fear or whatever. It's just being a realist. Yeah. Well, and I think this is where people, um, they feel that scarcity and it's because they lack that clarity. They go, I, I get what you're saying, but the moment they ask, well, what do I do? How do I do it? They don't have the answer. And that makes um, that brings fear to the top of the mind, which is painful. So they immediately shut it down. So how would I even begin to understand what my freedom number is so that I know what I'm aiming at? Right. Well, we, we, we have a little exercise that we typically take people through and we say, okay, what are your current, you know, what is your current lifestyle cost? For you to keep up. And a lot of people want to like say, well, I won't have this kind of expense and I won't have that. But rather than do that, what lifestyle do you want to have? Um, you know, it's better to, sh you know, aim too high and fall short than it is to aim too low and fall short. And so, um, and then we have a little section on there on the form that we ask them to um, add, which is called life's unexpected. And life's unexpected um, are things like we experienced in, in 2012 when we had a 29-year-old son-in-law come down with terminal cancer and, <sighs> you know, die within 10 and a half months. And where do you want to be for those 10 and a half months, right? I said, no family wants to be six hours away. They want to be in the middle and be there and have no regrets. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is have passive income and freedom from your businesses and, and, and the way you make money. Otherwise, you don't have those options. And then the other example I like to tell people is I have three friends right now that their parents, mothers in specific in this case, are older. And the amount of money that they have or the quality of life they would have if they lived in the facility that they could afford would they would probably die in about 90 days. And so I can't imagine a human on earth that would not want to extend their mother's, you know, quality of life for one year, two years, three years, whatever they could. And money allows you to do that. And so, but none of us are thinking, you know, when our parents are fine and, you know, don't need that. None of us are thinking about what do I want that to look like? And so I love hanging out with people that have big lives because it allows me to go, yeah, that's what I want to be able to do. Yeah, I like that option. And so, you know, sometimes we need to spend a little more time in that future and say, okay, in 20 years, what will my life look like? How old will my kids be? You know, how old will my parents be? You know, what do, what do I want to do? Are there trips I want to take people on like my parents or my siblings or my kids that they might not be able to afford at that place? And what do those look like? And so we just have you just kind of spend a little bit of time there imagining what you want that lifestyle to look like. And then once you get that number, then it's a lot easier because now you have a freedom number 
And then we have the sources that can create freedom, the three opportunities to do that, either own a business, which are people making you money, own enough assets that are throwing off passive money, um, or, you know, have stocks or whatever your choice is, or maybe I always say, let's hedge your bet and do several of them, you know, let's do more than more than one. So what I'm hearing you say is spend a little time dreaming about what you want life to be like and identify what's that number that if every month was coming in passively um, would allow you to live that big life. And then it's about, there's really three ways that you can acquire that. It's it's business ownership where other people are making you money. It's assets where your money's making you money or stocks. Yeah. And you know, there's something on businesses because Jeff, you and I come from the, you know, see a lot of opportunities, see a lot of real estate agents. Uh, and I did this, I was very guilty of this as I walked around and I said, I had a business when really what I had, and I see this in the, you know, the online world and, and different <laughs> oh. people that I hang out with, they, they walk around and say, I have a business, but yet they couldn't leave it for more than a couple of weeks and it, the income would go down. And so I had a very, um, great business coach at one time that said to me, Linda, the way you're going to know you truly have a business is you get to leave that for a year and your your income actually goes up while you're gone. And so with that in mind, I didn't want to call anything a business that I could not hold to that standard. And so if you choose businesses and if you've got a business now, that doesn't mean you could leave it. You know, the the blessing of when our son-in-law got sick is they were six hours south of us. We were able to pack up our stuff. Our net worth went up. Our, our cash flow went up. Our businesses grew. And that's not even the best part. The best part is we have no regrets because we got to spend our most precious asset, which is time, where we needed to be. And so, you know, we have to, you said spend time in you know, kind of in that dreamland, but also spend time in reality. Yeah. You know, what is reality? I mean, what are my parents' income going to be? Do, are they going to have enough? Do I really have a business that I could walk away from and it would actually throw off more money in a year if I wasn't there? Most people can't answer yes to that. Well, and this is where when I talk to um, business owners, solopreneurs, if we're ever speaking, there's all ultimately a question that comes up around leverage and how do I begin to let go? I worry that other people won't do it right. And I think what you're saying right there is you have to recognize as long as you are controlling and avoiding giving other to, the opportunity to succeed through others, you are literally shackling yourself to that business. You have to start learning to flex that muscle and allow yourself to succeed through others. Otherwise, you will never own that business. Absolutely. And, and you know, from the same blessing you have of getting to work with Gary Keller, you're not going to be around him very long and not get that message from him. And having been coached from him for years um, and, you know, being in the industry that you that you never let go to now look at what this industry's gotten to where I, my business has been running as a real estate sales team for 19 years without me there and without Gary helping me to see that and coaching me to understand that you had to go hire talented people and let it go that leverage through great people is the greatest thing you can master as a business owner you know i just shiver to think where i would be today because we all tend to think no one does it as good as us and so, but that, you know, those that think they can do it all will get to do it all, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And so you've got to change the way you believe about things um, because if you don't, you're going to stay held hostage to that business and you're not going to truly have the freedom and of your time and money that you really want. Well, let's dive into that one a little deeper because, um, and, and I'll, I'll preface it with, I remember hearing Gary say, most people think big and then they try to act big. They think big in terms of this life of me leveraging everything. And then they try to act big by delegating everything. But the truth is you have to think big and act small. 
for those people who need to learn to flex that muscle? How can they begin acting small when it comes to leverage? Well, you, you have to understand leverage is probably, in my opinion, one of the hardest things you'll ever master as a as a business owner. And just because you can hire good people that can support you, to me, that's not really an indicator of how great a business person you are. When you can hire people that can actually replace you and you're willing to let your world get big enough for them to have big dreams and big opportunities, that's when your life's going to get bought big, but it's going to take you learning. And that's not easy. The skill of who is that person? How do I know how to recognize them? Because, you know, they're all out there, but how can one person understand how to attract them and see them and another person can? It's because you've studied that. And so learning how do I master that? And how it's not going to be one time I get it. And then do I have a process that will, you know, because we're all entrepreneurs uh, and entrepreneurs have a tendency. Most of us are what, what I would say is a quick start, which means we get an idea and we just go instead of kind of backing off and saying, okay, I know these things about myself. I know I'm going to want to skip steps. I know I'm going to want to hire out of pain. I know I'm going to want to hire the first person that comes along because I fall in love with them. If I know these things, what's a great process that's going to protect me from doing those things that are going to cause me to not be able to get that talented person? And then I think a lot of business owners, they get that they need to hire talent, but they don't let their world get big enough for that talent for their life to get big. And that's a big big thing I see with entrepreneurs. They're all about their life getting big, but really to get what Gary teaches and to get a big life, we got to figure out how to have one big enough that people with big dreams and goals can get theirs inside of that. So you're you're using GK language there. And for the people who haven't had the pleasure of sitting in front of Gary, where he talks about what it means to allow your world to get so big that anybody can have everything they want. What does that really mean? Go into that. Well, you know, if you think about people that are successful, they a lot of entrepreneurs think that, oh, I'll just take this person and when I bring them into my world, I can make them successful. And the truth is they either already have those tendencies, they already are that person or they're not. So rather than trying to make someone be that person, I'm better off to learn what are the characteristics, you know, what is the behavior Uh, What does the track record of that person need to look like for them to win at whatever opportunity I'm going to put them in charge of? And so um, by doing that, I'm ensuring that I'm going to have a better chance of bringing on talented people. But talent will leave you when they look up and they think there's no more opportunity or their next opportunity is the one you have occupied and you won't move. You know, you're you're not moving because your life's good right now. Why would I move when I have this talented person making all these wonderful things happen in my life? And so the entrepreneur has to be willing to say, okay, I'm going to go do a, either do another opportunity with you or I'm going to go do another opportunity and you get to take over this one. And so I think that's, you know, I, I live in the world of entrepreneurs and when I'm not around real estate entrepreneurs, I get around you know, programs like Genius Network or Dan Sullivan, which is full of successful entrepreneurs. And what I see them struggle with is they may be able to hire great people, but they don't understand there's a difference between someone who can build something as well as you can and keeping them with you by letting their life get big also. And that means you give up a a piece of it or a piece of another opportunity so their life can get bigger. And and to give a a practical example for people to really drive this home because it is that important Uh, When Jay first drew this out for me, 
and, and I'm sure every person can relate with this, think about a time that you left any job. It was because one day you woke up and you realized you could not have everything you could possibly want inside the world of that organization, whether that be money, upward mobility, maybe it was flexibility from time because you had things going on in your personal world. You couldn't have everything you could want. And what Linda is talking about is, can you give yourself permission to first and foremost recruit people who are destined to build an empire? Can you recruit them into your world and allow them to run? They are going to push you to make your world so big that they can have everything they want and remain inside your world. And that is uncomfortable for you as the business owner. But that's what Gary and Jay are doing with me. They wanted to turn the book into an empire. It's not Gary's one thing. It's being chairman of Keller Williams. It's not Jay's one thing. It's writing books. They needed somebody who they believed was destined to build something. They want to see if I can do it in their world. And now it's my job to push them to allow my their world to get bigger so I can have everything I can want. Yeah. And that's a that's a very complex, I mean, you made it sound so simple, but the truth is to really get that at a deep level, you've got to go you got to go put it into practice and you got to go, you got to hear it a lot of times. And so, you know, we've been blessed to hear it a lot of times. You're not going to get around Gary and not hear this conversation, but there's so many people that, you know, they think to build a business, you just go hire people that support you or they accidentally get a really great person. And when that person pushes them a little bit, it feels so uncomfortable. They, they don't like it. They don't see it as what it really is, is someone trying to show you, I want a big life. And if you'll let me, you know, not that they're going to run wild, but they're going to push you to make sure that that happens. Correct. Correct. I love it. So we dive into business ownership as as one of the three ways to build wealth. And you can't do that without people. The second one was what again? Well, the second one is uh, real estate investing. And the third one is stocks. I always say we have one bit of advice for people on stocks. Whatever the McKissicks buy, absolutely buy something else. <laughs> That's how good our <laughs> stock is. <laughs> that is so good. Well, we'll talk about that because um, there's this idea of what's real investing and what is speculation. Right. Well, and what we figured out is, number one, neither one of my husband or I won. We're interested enough to learn enough about stocks to to be anything more than a speculator. And we were blessed to see people in the 80s lose all their real estate because they were speculating. And our said our deal was, if we can't learn it well enough to really be knowledgeable about it, that's going to be called speculating to us and we're not going to do that. So the second thing was, was we realized we couldn't buy enough of it to have any control. You know, we're not going to buy enough of any stock to sit on on somebody's board. So if that's the case, then maybe stocks wouldn't be our best choice. Uh, And I always tease and say, we sold Facebook and we should have kept it. So do not, whatever we do, do something else. Short it. Got it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But but real estate uh, was something different because I had been selling real estate. It seemed like the simplest and uh, most logical next step for us. And so based on that, we started understanding, okay, why do people lose money in real estate? And what we discovered is the ones that lose money in real estate, they speculate. In other words, they buy based on what they think it's going to be someday, not that it's a good deal the day they buy it. So we just kind of came up with some criteria and said, look, it's got to be a good deal the day we buy it or we're not buying it. Um, It has to cash flow a certain amount because we don't want negative payments and those kind of things. So we just kind of looked and said, "What, what doesn't work for people about real estate? And then So what do we want to do different than that? And those are kind of the way we came up with the criteria. But real estate made the most sense to us because it was a world that we were already kind of living in. 
And so that's why we picked real estate and actually went very, very, very strong in that until one day, actually, Gary looked at us and said, you know, you guys have really done a great job uh, of, of building wealth. And I'm going to tell you the only difference between you two and me, and we're thinking a lot more zeros. I don't know what <laughs> he said. No, the only difference is while y'all chose to invest and master investing in real estate, I chose to learn and master investing in people. And that was a huge aha that that is so true. Even real estate investing was going to have a limit that was smaller than learning how to invest in great people. And so that's when we switched our, po- our, our, our purpose and our, our sights on now, how do we become great business owners? And what does that really mean? And then how do we find talented people and bring them into our life? How long ago was that? Well, it's been a journey because uh, 1997 is when we started being coached by Gary on turning our own real estate practice over to someone else. And that had never been done in the industry. And it was terrifying. I'm going to be honest, because that was our sole livelihood. I think we were probably grossing about 800000 that year, which was big in the real estate industry at that time. And uh, it was very scary, I have to be honest, because no one had ever done it. And all of a sudden, there's this guy named Gary Keller that's telling me it's possible. And I'd had enough coaches and things in my life happen in such a way that I knew I needed him to be right, but I didn't have any proof he was right yet. (laughs) But I needed him to be right because I knew that uh, we'd already had a business psychotherapist tell us you probably need about seven streams of income, that one wouldn't be enough. Uh, and because we were top performers, he said, you know, I think seven for you guys is the number you should go for. And I, we had no clue, honestly, at the time, how to have any other stream of income other than the one that was coming from our business. So, you know, a lot of what he was saying was very new in the real estate world. No one had talked like that. And so it was scary, but it's 1997 and it's been a journey ever since. So fast forward today, uh, we have over a hundred single family properties. We have 16 vacation rentals. We have six commercial buildings uh, and we own real estate franchises, a region for Keller Williams uh, International, a very large passive income stream through an opportunity with Keller Williams. And that you know, that all started from understanding what are your options and which one makes the most sense for me to try to learn and master at this time. And, you know, and is it worth trying to learn how to run businesses? Yeah, no, I love it. Well, whoo, my mind, it got to the point where my mind is now feeling like it's being expanded, which is when I know um, we accomplished what I set out to with this, which is to add value to other people. So thank you for that. Where can people learn more about you, Linda? Well, I have a website that's lindamckissick.com. We have a great book called Hold, How to Find, Buy, and Rent Houses to Build Wealth, which um, I love uh, to hear the stories back from people who are using that and building wealth with it. We get those um, on a regular basis. And so, you know, I, I always say my passion is helping successful but overworked entrepreneurs understand the power of leverage and passive income so that they can get freedom and margin for what matters most to them. And so uh, I'm always open to helping someone or, you know, answering a question. But I would say probably either, you know, buy our book if you want to read more about the real estate investing piece of it and um, 
lindamckissick.com. We keep we share things on there, web webinars and different things like that occasionally. And we'll include the spelling. Well, the, her name's in the title of the episode. And if you want more details, we'll hyperlink to her website in the description below. So, all right, Linda, well, thank you so much. I, I appreciate you and look forward to growing the relationship. Sounds good. See you soon. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Linda McKissick. This episode really hits home for me. I mentioned, um, I know what it's like to think that things are so good and it will never end. I know what it feels like to have something happen that you could not have perceived possible, but it happens. And overnight, your financial view for your world completely changes and not in a good way. I know what it feels like to wonder, how am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to put food on the table? When are things going to change? It's a pain that I never want to experience again. The thing that I will point out for you that was not discussed in this episode, uh, notice the theme of her talking about being a student. She kept saying, yeah, but we, we either really dove in and we studied that, or she said, we didn't want to study that. The thing that is very similar between Linda and Gary Keller is they are both consummate students. Are you a consummate student? Are you looking at a certain area, a certain subject, and diving deep to really educate yourself, understand it, master it? So many people today will invest based on what they think they should be investing in because everybody else is in the stock market, they should be in the stock market, or everybody else talks about investing in real estate, they should be in real estate. But what is the best solution for you? What is that thing that you are willing to dedicate yourself to, that you are willing to study to be a student of so that you can truly understand, is it a deal? Are you investing or are you speculating? You heard her say it's those people who speculate are the ones that lose all their money. She's not the only one who says this. We've heard people time and time again say it. Are you investing? Are you speculating? Just that whole conversation around leverage. Wow. I've had the pleasure of hearing Gary talk about this several times, but every time it is discussed, um, I have a deeper appreciation for it. I love how she said the, the story with Gary where he said, the difference between you and me is that you chose to master real estate and I chose to master succeeding through others and building businesses. Her saying that right there just reaffirmed that if there's one thing that I need to become a master of, it's people. And I knew that before, but uh, I need to hear it again and again. And that's why we share these episodes with you is because there are certain things that you need to hear again and again. Not everyone has a direct relationship with somebody like a, a Linda McKissick. Not everybody gets to sit with a Gary Keller on a regular basis. That is why we do this podcast to open up our Rolodex, to take you and put you right in front of the relationships that we have, whether it's with those people directly or their ideas so that it can enrich your life. It's why we've seen the numbers go up, the downloads go up, because we know you are sharing it because it is making an impact. And for those of you that are saying, wow, I want to be closer to this. I want to be in a community around this. I'm telling you, this membership thing that we are creating is it. Text the word founder to the number 33444 because I promise you, this is going to be just such an incredibly valuable community filled with ideas like this. How do you look out and get some big, life-changing someday goals and then have the complete clarity of the actions you need to take today and the accountability to get you there each week. That is what is being created. And it's because it was created by you. 
our founding members. So text the word founder to the number 33444 so you can learn more about that. And, and I just want to say thank you. You just invested your most valuable resource, your time in listening to this episode. Will you guarantee yourself a return on investment by backing it with action? Will you give yourself the space? Will you time block time to identify what do I really want? What do I want my life to look like 20 years from now? What is my freedom number? Will you choose if you will choose to master uh, businesses, real estate investing, or stocks? And then identify the one thing that you can do such that by doing it would make making progress in that area easier or unnecessary. And begin. So with that, thank you for listening to the show. Please subscribe so all future episodes are downloaded to your device automatically. Please leave us a review. We crave your feedback. We love your feedback. And we will see you in the next episode.